right, let's get our, out our Bibles. Turn to the book of Revelation. We're going to go over an eschatology. We're talking about the two witnesses and the vile judgments tonight. Of course, there's seven of those, and we'll talk about those. But I want to do a little bit of um, review on some of these and the seal judgment, seven trumpets. You say, well, there's only six, but actually the seventh, when the seventh opens up, it's referring back to, and then it opens up, the next one goes on to the, the vile judgment. So let's go ahead and look at these. And also this red piece of paper, we're getting red papers in there. Make sure you fill this out this week sometime and drop it in there. These are about your family this week, and we'll talk about our, our church next week. And I want you to make sure that you come Sunday morning and Sunday night as we, as we go through those. And I want, I want to give you a heads up on the um, bishops. They went to the doctors today. And they will be um, giving her some medicine on Monday to induce labor. And then she'll probably have the baby on Tuesday. So just keep them in your prayers. And it's looking like the funeral will probably be on, on Saturday morning, early morning. So if you could keep them in your prayers, I know that they would appreciate that. So let's go over and let, let's, let's first have a word of prayer and then we'll get on our review. Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. There's so many things that we could be thankful for that we could list for you. But yet, there's so many things we don't even know what you're doing in certain situations, but they're always a blessing to us. Thank you for being that provider for us. Thank you for being the comforter for us. Lord, just be with us at this time. I think of the Bishop family right now. Just be with them. Let them know that we're praying for them, and we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The only suggestion I would say to you about the bishops is that they just ask that you don't come up to the hospital. Unless they've asked you to come, they just don't want a lot of people up there. They're going to have a bunch of family up there, and that's one of their requests, if you could help us with that. Let's go over some, some, um, some review, and, and then I want, to, I want to go through the first, the, seven, the seal judgments, the seven trumpets, and I want you to write these down. You probably already know this. This is after um, the, the church has been raptured. They have, the, number one would be the release of the what? Anybody know? The Antichrist is going to come at that point. And then they're going to have seven solid years of war. And so you can write that. Now this one here you should know. Number three, a devastating, anybody? Famine in countries near Israel. You'll say, why is it towards the countries in Israel? Because Israel will not be affected as much as the other ones will. So they will be mad at Israel over that. Number four is just one, one word. It's called death. There's going to be some death in that. And then there's going to be some new Christians that are found in the, in the tribulation. And then number five is the slaughter of new Christians. They're going to be beheaded. And number six is destruction. So now you have the seven trumpets. And they come in and the first one is hail mingled with fire. Number two would be a mountain of fire erupts in the sea, what we would call a volcano. Number three, a large burning star. Number four, and you say some of these are vague. That's because sometimes God doesn't give you all the details of it. And that's one thing I like about it. We're going to look at a couple things today that, um, that are kind of vague. Um, number four, a third of the light from heaven, from the heavens is kept from reaching the earth. Number five, we talked about this, I think, a week ago, the killer locust. There's going to be some locusts that are going to come around. And, and then number six, everybody should be able to figure that out. Cecil, did you get number six? 
Okay, because he's trying to figure it out before. I noticed he was trying to figure out the, the blanks before we got to him. But this one, if you see the word march, that should help you. And then what would this be? Two million soldiers begin their march towards Israel. And so we're going to start now. We're going to go to the two witnesses in the vile judgments. And, and it's very, very interesting study when you look at it. But let's go over these things one more time. And, and I, want to, I want to point out something to you. The release of the Antichrist. There's going to be seven years of war. There's going to be a devastating famine. There's death, the slaughter of the new Christians. And then there's um, destruction all the way through hail mingled with fire. Um, a mountain of fire erupts in the sea. The, burning, the large burning star, a third of the light from heaven does not make it to the earth. There's killer locusts and 200 million soldiers begin their march towards Israel. And I say all this to tell you this. It's a good thing because we're not going to be there. You know, we read all these things, destruction and death and locusts and all this stuff. We're not going to be there if you're a Christian. You're going to, we're going to be, the church is going to be raptured up before that. And that even causes more of a problem because then you don't have any religious, righteous people other than the, these people are going to get converted during that time. But when we look at it, the church is going to be gone. The church won't have a part of this. After the rapture, 1,444 Jews from the tribes of Israel will come in. You'll see that as your blank. Revelation chapter 7. Let's go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 7. And we're going to read this. Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. It says this in Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed, and hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribes of Judah were sealed um, twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben, there were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asher um, were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were sealed, were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Issachar were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000. And of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. So you get 12,000 times 12 different tribes and you get 144,000 people that will be there. When and where these come from is not really clear, but they're there. And God does not give us all the details with this. This is one of them. But then all of a sudden comes on the scene, there are two witnesses. There are two witnesses found, and we're going to look at some of these verses in, the, in, in this. And this is kind of, some people don't know who they are, and most people, and I, I believe I think I know who they are, but there's, there's one that's thrown in the mix of it, and I, and I want you to kind of look at why they would say this person. But if I were to ask you, I think the number one easy one to tell you that's going to be one of these witnesses is who? Elijah. Because Malachi tells us that. But then there's that second one, who is it? And we'll, we'll look at that in just a second. But um, it's interesting when you, when you study this, that there, there's some things that they're going to do. There's some things that they're going to be able to do. The, the witnesses are uh, accompanied by signs and wonders. The first thing, is you, as you see in your blanks, they're going to be there for 1,260 days. They're going to shut up the heavens and stop the rain. There's not going to be any rain when, when they're here. 
Then then the next thing they're going to be able to do is they're going to turn water into blood. You say, boy, a lot of this sounds a lot like Old Testament plagues and things that were happening. Absolutely. And then the third one is um, smite the earth with plagues. There's going to be some plagues that they're going to talk about. So these men are going to come on the scene. They're going to be talking and speaking. And somehow God's going to protect them. And no one's going to be able to touch them. But the world is going to hate them. Of course, the Antichrist hates them terribly. And in fact, in Revelation chapter 11, 4, it says, These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. They are referred to as the candlesticks. They're going to bring light into a dark world. It also tells you what they're going to be wearing. And you say this word sackcloth. These two men are going to come on the scene. They're going to be wearing sackcloth. They seek no honor for themselves. Sackcloth was a humble garment of animal hair. Scripture equates sackcloth with a national mourning and repentance. Um, The ministry to Israel compares to that of Elijah, John the Baptist. They're actually coming to try to help Israel through this process. They're not coming for any other reason but to show Israel. Now, the issue that's going to be, and we'll get into it in just a second, but they're going to die. All their their responsibility is, is to preach the gospel and to point people to Christ. And this is, again, after um, we have been raptured. Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. Let's look at that real quick. Verse 14, it says this, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, he said unto me, These... These are they which came out of the great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is what these two witnesses are supposed to be doing. And if you go, and I think it's in your notes, you don't need to turn to it, but Zechariah chapter 13 verse 8 and 9 says this, And it shall come to pass that in, that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. But the third shall be left therein, and I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Remember, there's no, there's no aspect of the church because it's already been raptured up. So the church has no part of this. And so these men are coming in, and they'll be in there for 1,260 days. And then all of a sudden, what's going to happen? Look at your next point. It says in, in, in letter D, it says, the beast and the Antichrist will murder the two witnesses. They will come and they'll murder the two witnesses. Revelation eleven seven says this, and when they shall have finished their testimony, and it's interesting, they, Satan himself, the Antichrist, cannot do anything until these two prophets are done. Look at the wording of that verse. It says, and when they shall have finished their testimony. They're not going to come down and, and you, you say, well, Satan's going to have rule, but he's going to have rule, but God's going to protect the 144,000. He's going to protect these two men. But when they're done, look at this. It says, the beast ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now, there's going to be a problem that, these, that, that they're going to do. They're going to lay them out. Look at the next one. It says, Everybody will see their bodies in the street for three and a half days. Now, they mean it to show people that they're powerful. Isn't it interesting? It's very correlated with who, how, God was in the, how Jesus was in the tomb. And, and Satan thought he had won. So they leave him out there, and we already know the media. 
Do you not think that they're going to show everything that's going on? They're going to have this bot, these, th these two guys that have caused so many problems. In fact, it says in the Bible that they're going, to, they're going to celebrate the death of these two men. And they're just going to leave them out there. It shows you how decrepit our world is and how decrepit that Satan is. Two men are going to die. We don't know how they're going to die, but they're going to be left in the street. And there's going to be a video of them, and they're going to show them, and all these things. It's, the news media and outlets and the powers of the world will, will rejoice over their death. It is called, and it's called a holiday, causing the people in the world to be merry. Everything's okay now. We've taken care of the problem. But the problem comes in, in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 12, as, as I want to read this to you, Revelation chapter 11 and verse 12, And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither, and they ascended up into heaven in the clouds, and their enemies beheld them. They're going to leave them out there to show that they've won. But God himself is going to bring, resurrect them, and then they're going to ascend unto, unto heaven. Isn't that interesting? Very similar to what Jesus does at the tomb. So everybody will see their bodies in the street for three and a half days. The two witnesses will be resurrected after three and a half days in Revelation chapter 11, verse 12. But who are these two witnesses? Well, let me give you a couple things that I would point out to you. And um, at the end of the three and a half days, the hand of God moves and the power of, of Almighty overshadows the two dead bodies. They're resurrected and they're alive. Shock sets in in Jerusalem because you can read 11, uh, he, um, Revelation 11, 12, that they heard a great voice come up hither and all of a sudden they ascend. Within an hour, of a, 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 an earthquake flattens a tenth of Jerusalem. And 7,000 people lose their lives. But who are these two witnesses? The first witness is surely Elijah. Because if you look it up, it's predicted in Malachi that Elijah would come before the second advent preparing the way for, for the Messiah. You say, why is that so important? Because here you have the Bible working with itself again. We're reading in Revelation, but then you can read in Malachi in the Old Testament how it predicts what's going to happen. Look what Malachi says. If you can't find that, look at the very back of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to look at a couple verses in there. And Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come as the temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts, but who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall, and he shall sit at the, as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And that's exactly what their job was. Was to talk to the people in, in the, during the tribulation. But then if you go back, and now you're going to see where Malachi actually says the word Elijah. Go to Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6 says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers of the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Why Elijah? Elijah has something that's, that... Other people didn't have the Old Testament. What was it? He did not die. Did he? What happened? God just took him up. 
Well, that would be great. I pray the Lord comes back before I pass away. That'd just be nice for the Lord to just take us. Amen? Me and you. We're the only two, ma'am. Okay? All right. But that's the way I feel. All right? I just, I want, I want the Lord, I don't want any pain. I just want, hey, I'm, hello, Jesus. How are you? That's what I want. Remember, no message is, uh, is um, I'm sorry. Remember, Elijah has not yet died for the first time. Scripture clearly states something, that man must die. Hebrew 9, 27 says this, And it is appointed unto man once to die after that the judgment. The book of Kings relates how Elijah was given power over the rain. Did you notice what these guys are going to talk about? Go back to your second one, your point, letter A, and what does it say? Shut up the heavens and stop the rains. Hmm. The period of the drought in those days was the same duration as the time and ministry of the two witnesses. An interesting co coincidence. The same time that he prays it in, in the Old Testament happens in, in, during the tribulation. Now keep reading. Who's the identity of the second witness? Huh. You know what some people say? Who are, does anybody, tell me who, and everybody will say the first one. What do people think, who do the people think they are? Anybody? Bernard, you, what? Moses is one of them. Who's the other one? Elijah, and who's the other one? We know Elijah. What, what's the other one? Enoch, why? Why do people say Enoch? He didn't die. You know what I like about this? It's not really clear who it's going to be. But does it really matter? Why do people think it's Moses? Because what? Look at what, look at what he does. The first one was because of the, the rain, and, and the second one, Elijah... Um, I mean, Moses turned water to blood. Correct? Absolutely. And it also, do some research on Moses. And I'm not trying to start some things that people, oh man, what do you believe? It doesn't really matter who the three are, who the two are, but they're, they're going to show up. And they could not find his body. They never found Moses' body. And what's interesting about it too, is why, you know the other reason why they think it's Moses? Because he was in the transfiguration with Christ and Elijah. Now, I personally don't think it's Moses. I think it's, I think it's Enoch. Um, because Enoch never died. And you know, what? I've heard, I, I have a personal friend of mine that says that his, one of his favorite characters in the Bible is Enoch. And, and I understand why, but there's not a lot written about Enoch. It just says that he walked with the Lord. There's not much written about him. It doesn't matter who the two are. We know one of them is Elijah by the name of in Malachi. We don't know if the second one is Moses and we don't know if it's Enoch. It doesn't really matter, but it's all these things. It's either Moses or Enoch. Letter A would be Elijah and letter B would be Moses, Moses or Enoch. It doesn't matter. Both those men were great men. There's more, of course, written about Moses than there is Enoch. And we know Moses' story. So now, what's going to happen after these, after this happens, they will meet their death in the streets of Jerusalem. These two witnesses will. And these two witnesses, before the vile judgments happen. Now, the vile judgments are going to come, and we're going to look at those look at, as we work our way through this. The first one is letter A. The first one is an incurable sore. An incurable sore. 
The Bible says in, Revela in Revelation chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your way and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there was a, a, a fell of a newsome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. This sore is going to fall on anybody that has that mark on, of the beast. It's not going to fall on somebody that does not have that. They're going to be able to, and when you talk about the mark of the beast, and we'll get into that, but the mark of the beast is going to be something that's either put on the forehead, on the forehead or, the, or, the, or the wrist. Said so he caused, in, in Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18, um, it says, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand or in the forehead, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of the, of the name. Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for the number of man, the number is six hundred, three score and six. Um, so here we're going to have this. We, don't, we, we do know that this is a mark which is put on the forehead or the hand. Without this mark, no person can do anything. They can't travel, they can't do anything. Well, why, why do they put this mark on you? They put this mark on you for a couple reasons, I think. I think they're trying, they're, and we see it today, I think maybe terrorism. They think that you're going to do something wrong or, or maybe they're just trying to protect whoever they know who everybody is. But I think the main thing is the obsession to eradicate the world of Christians. Because this will show who, you, who you're going to serve. Amazingly, there's already this technology in place in certain places. There are some businesses you don't use keys, you use your wrist. You just, and some of them's eye scanners, you just put it up there and it opens things up. So the sore falls upon those which are made to believe the infamous lie of the Antichrist found in 2 Thessalonians. And receiving the mark, in, uh, the mark implanted in their hand or forehead, people seal their eternal damnation forever and ever. You say, well, that'll be hard to know who's got the mark and who's going to get the sore. It's God that's doing this. He knows. But there's an incurable sore on them. The second one is this. God smites another sea in Revelation chapter 16. In verse number three, and it says, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of, the, of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. We don't know what sea it is, but we know there's another sea that's affected by this. Can you just almost see the chaotic aspect of what's going on in the world at this particular moment? And thank God that we're Christians. Well, God is, God is a God of love. Yeah, He's a God of judgment too. Do you not think that he loved Adam and Eve, absolutely. But he also had to judge them on what they did. He does that with men also. The sea is mingled with death. Every living thing in and on the sea of that time, at that time dies. Now the third one is this. The rivers and the fountains turn into blood. Revelation chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. And the, and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of the water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are the judgment. This is a direct and divine revelation for the beheading of the tribulation Christians. He's getting them, he's judging them for what they have done. That's the third one. The fourth one, 
Very interesting in Revelation chapter 16, verse 8 and 9. And the fourth one is this, record heat temperatures. How many of you have been, had the privilege of watching the news and see what happens when you have wind and fire and you're watching California? It just takes off. And things are burning and things are burning. Well, in this, this is going to be one of the things God's going to do. And the fourth angel in verse, Revelation chapter 16, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God. It's interesting that they go through all these things and you would think it would turn them to repentance, but it actually does exactly opposite. It makes them mad at God. I think it makes them mad at God because they realize that God is more powerful than them. It says, which hath power over these plagues and hath repented not to give him glory. The sun becomes so hot that the earth scorches the fire, burning out of control. So scorch are men that they blaspheme God and refuse to repent. Now we get to the fifth one. Fifth one, are sores fall, sores fall upon the officers of the beast and the government. Revelation chapter, six, verse six, Revelation chapter 16, verses 10 through 11, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast. And his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues with pain and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. See, they enjoy this blaspheming that they do. Again, you see the chaoticness of what's going on in this earth. And praise the Lord, we won't be in it. But God does have a judgment. And watch this, Christians. He has judgments on us. He corrects us. Not to this extent, but he corrects us. Don't you feel God's judgment sometimes when you do something wrong? Don't you feel like God, and sometimes it's through love, and sometimes it's just through, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to take care of this. You know, and sometimes it's through heartache, and sometimes it's through brokenness. Because what does God want in us? He wants a humble spirit. And so often we don't do that. And so here you have the soldiers and this. Now, this next one is a very interesting one, and, I, and I'm going to ask you why this is going to take place. But the next one, the number six, is this. Number six is the river Euphrates dries up. You say, well, why would he list one of the rivers of drying up? Because that river has to dry up. Why does it have to dry up? This is God's plan. Does anybody want to take a guess at this? You know why this river has to dry up? Remember when we first started out, we said there's 200 million soldiers coming? There's one thing between them and Israel, and it's this river. Now, you could study the, the river Euphrates is a very large river. In fact, if you look in Genesis, you'll, you'll, list, you'll see that listing around the Garden of Eden. It's found there you're going to find the river Euphrates. It's one that's mentioned throughout the Bible. And here it's going to dry up. Let's look at this, what it says. in Revelation chapter 16, verse 12 through 16 says this. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. You say, well, Pastor Wagner, they probably could have get around it. They probably could, but there's some things that they wanted to get through and they don't have everything that we have now. Remember, it's chaotic. You know, there's, there's people acting inhumane, animalistic. 
And so they need to make a straight, straight path to this. It says, The water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of the devil working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and to the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keepeth his garment lest he walk naked and, and they, shall, they, they, they see his shame. And he gathered them together in the, into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, what's the word? Armageddon. So these men, this river has to dry up so these 200 soldiers of the kings of the east can get where they're going. And this is all in God's plan. Now the final, final, um, the final seal has two different, it has a two-folded judgment. So when you're writing down the first one, the first one is, the first is the severest earthquake in the history of all earthquakes. Revelation chapter 16 and verses 17 through 21. And I want to read this so you get this. It says this, it says, And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the earth, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, which such as was not since men were upon the earth. There it is. It tells you right there. This is the biggest earthquake that they'll ever have. And it says, So mighty an earthquake, and so great, and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about a weight of a talent. And the men blasphemed God because of the plagues of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. This is a catastrophic event of this plague, or accompanied by a loud voice speaking to them. The judgment is twofold. The first one is the severest earthquake in all, all, all of history. And you've got to understand, they, and this is still vague, they don't know what city it is. There's three aspects they think it is. Number one, the first one could be Jerusalem. It could be Jerusalem. And there's some verses in there, he, um, Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. Another one, another one that they mentioned could be in Revelation chapter 16, verse 19. It could be Babylon, um, uh, a, a rebuilt Babylon, because they mentioned Babylon in there. And then the third one could be Rome. Why? Because it has always been considered a spiritual Babylon. You say, well, which one is it? I don't know which one it is. I want to lead towards Jerusalem is what I think. But it doesn't matter. It's going to be, there's just going to be a mass hysteria with this. And this is all going to just, just lead into great changes in this. And the earth is not going to know what's going on. And, and they're still, and through this whole aspect, men are so wicked that they don't ever want to turn back to God. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and Satan's pushing them that direction. And then the, the, the second fold of this, is, as we read, is what? There's going to be some hail that's going to come down. Now, you've got to understand what it says here. Hailstones weighing about a talent. A, a, a talent, if, if it's in retrospect to silver, is 100 pounds. A talent in retrospect to gold in the Bible is 200 pounds. 
So you have this hail that's coming down. It's 100 to 200 pounds. It's going to destroy everything. I had the privilege of, of preaching in, a, in an ordination service in um, Kentucky. It's been many years. It's probably been, wow, it's probably been 15, 20 years. One of my young men in my, in my um, ministry was being ordained. And I went there and we drove through the town. And it didn't take too long. My wife and I, it was, where was that at? What town was that in? Owensboro. Um, no, it wasn't Owensboro. It was another one. But we were driving through that town and I said, look at those cars. They had all the cars in the, um, it, it was a car dealership and every car looked like someone had pelted it with softballs. The first thing I said when I got out, I, I drove and I was talking to him. I said, did you guys have a hailstorm or something? He said, it happened yesterday. He said, every one of those cars is considered null and void. Every, remember when we drive through, it was like, oh my word. And it wasn't little small spots. It was about spots like this all over every car. And then you'd see other people driving. You see the police cars driving by and they had these things. And they said they were size of softballs when they were hitting these cars. That would kill you if, if, if they pelted you enough. But can you imagine, multiply that times 100 to 200, the devastation that's going to take. And yet these men are still thinking, hey, I can overcome this. See, the one thing that, that's interesting with me on this last one, it is what, what, what the world would call Mother Nature but what we call is God's control. They can't replicate this. They can't understand a God that can get in a storm, Bernard, and say, peace be still, and it's still. But it shows you how powerful God is and how wicked men are. Because at the very end of your lesson, I wrote something in it, and I want you to see this. Going back to the top seven, to the top six seals and the top six trumpets, now we have the seven vile judgments. We won't be here. Look at what Jude writes. Jude, Jude writes in Jude 1, 22 and 23, and of some having compassion making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That's the verse we've got to look at. I've had the privilege of, I, I, I don't know about you, but I like watching people when they walk down the street. My wife and I were at a restaurant this morning and we were just looking and, I, and, I, and my wife tells me that I kind of observe people a little bit too much, but I'm kind of watching all these couples. There's like seven or eight couples and, I, and Ann and I are laughing and cutting up and I look over and there's like four or five groups of people, four or five different tables that have not said one word the whole time. They're just sitting there. I guess they're waiting for their breakfast or whatever, but they're just sitting there not, not speaking. And you know, when I look at them, I think there's no happiness in them. And maybe I don't know the whole story. But you know, I think God wants us to live. And He wants us to live one way. He wants us to live with compassion. People need to see a difference in us. Because we look at all these things and we say, Oh, praise God, I'm not going to go through them. But you know what? Your neighbor might. Your friends might. Your family might. And, you know, 
I'm not going to be going through all these things. I'll be at the very end of that thing, but I'm not going to be through all this. Isn't that sad that we sometimes don't realize exactly what God's done for us? God wants us to have compassion because when you have compassion, as the verse says, what do you do? You make a difference. We need to make a difference in our area where, we, where we're at. We serve a great God, and He is a God of love. Don't get wrong on that. He is a God of love, but He is a God of judgment. And so when we study all this, the end times, this is what's going to happen doctrinally through the Bible. 